God has designed you for a unique purpose. Get equipped for God's call with a degree from Clark Summit University. Choose from undergraduate and master's degrees, available completely online in programs like business, counseling, Bible, and education. For some programs, it's possible to earn your degree in as little as two years, or you can complete the degree you previously started. See if you qualify for a tuition discount. Answer God's call on your life and become a Christ-centered, career-ready graduate. Go to clarksummitu.edu slash podcast. That's clarksummitu.edu slash podcast. It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host, The 10 Stories Great Leaders Tell. We have a great author, Paul Smith. He rejoins us on the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show, and he's a renowned world expert when it comes to storytelling. Welcome to the program. Hey, Michael, thanks for having me back on. It's great to be here. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics. Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.com beardynamic.com and by Vocal Booth to Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit vocalboothtogo.com for more information. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice. Total sound control products from Oralex enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. Well, Paul, you write a good book. <laughs> you know that? Like, I love your, <laughs> Thank you. Your books are very, very thorough, and I've seen a lot of books. And so uh, today, you know, we're going to talk about uh, stories that great leaders tell. And uh, it doesn't matter if you're looking for a job, you know, you, you got to ask, uh, answer questions, and sometimes you got to tell a story. Um, but it seems like that's the secret for, you know, what, how many areas does uh, storytelling uh, touch? And uh, do you think if we learn to tell good stories that we could all be leaders? So, Mike. My- I had four criteria for trying to come up with the most important 10. And the first criteria I used was stories that my clients ask me to help them with. So when I'm not writing books, what I'm doing, I'm spending my time with executive clients, helping them craft the stories that they need for their leadership purposes or, or for their sales and marketing or what, whatever else that they do. And so I just literally looked back through the last seven or eight years of client engagements and, and took tally of what type of stories do my executive clients most frequently ask for help with? I wanted to pick stories where I, I knew leaders needed to exert some influence in the organization, right? So uh, there are a lot of things leaders do, but um, uh, th- these are areas that my 20 years, uh, almost 30 now in the business world, 
that I knew leaders need to influence in these particular areas more than others. These are stories that every leader at a company probably needs to be able to tell. I wanted to pick stories that I thought wouldn't need to change very often. In other words, stories that you could tell over and over again for years or maybe even decades, because there are some stories that you'll tell that you'll tell at one. Grandpa, (laughs) heard that story, Grandpa, you know, I can tell that again, but it's, well, I mean, not like that. Well, sort of in that it, it, it is a story that you will be telling over the course of years, but it probably won't be to the same audience over and over again. You know, like every time you have a new hire that comes to the company, you're probably going to want to tell them the founding story of the company. Those are the four criteria that I use to kind of narrow down these 10. Social media, they're, you know, they're stories about something that happened to one of your customers, whether a good thing or a bad thing. And the story about it helps the people you work with to understand who these people are and what problems they're having uh, that your product or service can solve, or sometimes a problem they're having with your product or service that you need to correct. And do you feel that, you know, a great leaders, I mean, today, uh, do you see the storytelling ability? Do you see that in Donald Trump, our president? Yes, I, I think that most leaders are good storytellers, and I think that helps them get to the position that they, they are in. Um, even more generally, I would say that great leaders are definitely great communicators. Storytelling is only one form of communication, right? Um, so I, I think it's difficult to become a, a very successful leader and not be a great communicator in mm-hmm. some way. Yes. But it doesn't, storytelling doesn't have to be the way that you become that great communicator. If, if, I, if I think of, if you want to talk about politicians who are great storytellers, um, Ronald Reagan comes to mind. Uh, Donald Trump wouldn't. Uh, if you want to talk about people who communicate well in, um, or who communicate using simple language that connects with a, a, a certain group of people that feels um, more, uh, I don't know, genuine or unfiltered, uh, you know, that's more how I would describe Trump is an unfiltered communicator who's not overly thinking his words. He doesn't sound like some academic elitist, you know, who's who, who talks in you know overly long sentences and you know. So uh, I think you can be an effective communicator using multiple different tools, and storytelling is just just one of them. As far as marketing, you mentioned that as well. People have websites today, uh, and you have to stand out. You have a picture of a, like a pink canoe. Uh, in the water there and everyone else, you know, is, uh, you, you don't, they don't stand out. So you have to stand out today, uh, freelancer, anybody. Uh, how do they tell this story on their website? So I, I think the, the techniques of storytelling are vehicle agnostic, I would say. Uh, so whether you're talking to somebody in person or on the radio, the, the techniques are the same. You're going to, you're going to want to use the, the same stories and you're going to use the same structure of the story, et cetera. There are going to be some slight differences between written stories and, and verbal stories. Um, but absolutely, you should be telling uh, your stories. And I say that plural. Not, it's, every company doesn't have a story. Oh, th- this is our story. Well, it might be your founding story, but it's not your vision story. And it's not your customer story. And it's not your uh, you know, how we're different from our competitor's story. Th- those are different stories. So the whole point of the, of the book is that you as a leader probably need hundreds of stories, but here are the most important 10 to start out with. And so your website absolutely should have at least a, a few of these most important stories that a leader or a company would tell. So your founding story ought to be on 
your website. But you know, probably your vision story should be out there as well. And we'll be right back with Paul Smith, his book, The 10 Stories Great Leaders Tell. We're going to learn a lot more. Stay with us right after this. Sennheiser has been continuously setting trends in the audio industry. Wherever people care passionately about recording, transmitting, or playing sound, Sennheiser will be there. Artists, disc jockeys, scientists, sound technicians, or demanding music lovers, the Sennheiser name always stands for premium products, headphones, microphones, and all-around audio solutions, the ultimate in sound quality. Sennheiser. Paul Smith, he rejoins us on the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show, The Ten Stories Great Leaders Tell. And speaking of which, could you tell our audience your story, how you got into storytelling? Yeah, so I, I had a pretty typical corporate career path before this. I mean, I, I uh, studied economics in undergrad and got my first job at uh, what, what's now Accenture uh, as a consultant and then went back to business school and got an MBA and then joined the Procter & Gamble Company. And I spent 20 years there in various, you know, leadership roles in uh, finance, and then most of it in consumer research. In fact, my my last job, I was uh, director of consumer research for um, about a six billion dollar global business unit within the, the company. But somewhere along that journey, just got fascinated with this concept of storytelling and noticed that the the leaders I admired the most were were really good at it, and I wanted to be better at that. Uh, but uh, I, they didn't teach me that in business school, and uh, they didn't uh, teach me that when I joined the company. And so I, I kind of set out to learn on my own. And I ended up, uh, in addition to reading a lot of books on the topic, um, interviewing a, a bunch of leaders starting inside the company, but then outside as well. And at this point, I think I've probably interviewed 300 or so hmm. CEOs and leaders and executives at, at uh, uh, you know hundreds of companies around the world and uh, 25 different countries. Uh, and so uh, all of that eventually that led to me writing books on the topic because I, I realized, gosh, if I want to know this stuff that badly, probably other people do as well. And so I ended up leaving the company and and making my full-time efforts at researching and writing a, a, about storytelling and teaching executive training courses and coaching leaders on how to do this better. What do you think the ethics are involved in that? I mean, as far as what are we doing when we do tell a story? I guess the brain just or the ears just peak when someone tells a good story and just in the same, you know, people <laughs> tune out when they tell a bad story. So yeah. uh, maybe that's why so many people are interested in you because uh, I don't know, sometimes uh, I'm guilty of this. Sometimes we rely on humor when we shouldn't and it's not funny and the, and the story goes south. Uh, you mentioned ethics too, which I think is a, a fascinating topic. And, and so we should touch on that a little bit uh, uh, too. But as far as why uh, storytelling works, yes, it's, we are somewhat hardwired to, pay attention to and, and uh, understand and resonate with stories. So there's just something very human about stories that gets people to listen intently, especially if it's an interesting story, as opposed to being lectured or have the boss tell you what to do or listening to a, you know, a boring lecture in a, a classroom setting or something. Yeah, stories generally pique our interest. Um, but uh, as far as the ethics are concerned, um, yeah, I think people can get into trouble ethical trouble with, uh, well, with just about anything and storytelling is no different. Um, in fact, a, a common question I get in my classes uh, that I teach is, do my stories have to be true? And the, the answer that I give, which, which may sound surprising, but I think you'll find it appropriate is, well, no, they don't. Um, but if you're not going to tell a true story, then you can do that, but only under one condition. I'll just ask you, what, what do you think that one condition is? As, as long as you don't propose. 
<laughs> well, no. uh, yeah, if you're going to propose, that better be honest. Um, well, the, the answer is that your audience knows that it's fiction, right? So mm-hmm. you can tell a fictional story, of course, as long as your audience knows it's a fictional story. But if you make up a story and pretend that it's true, well, now you're just lying to people. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, my experience is 95% of the time, the stories I'm telling are, are true stories about things that really happened. And I think the vast majority of your storytelling should be. Um, about 5% of the time, I find that I don't have the right real story to tell, or I'm telling a future story, like a vision story. And anytime you're telling a story about the future, by definition, it's not true, or at least it's not true yet, right? I mean, it hasn't, the future hasn't happened yet. So obviously you're telling a fictional story, but as long as your audience knows, hey, I'm telling you a fictional story about the future and I want you to help me create this future, then of course it's okay you know, to tell a fictional story. The problem is, is when, pe- when leaders and other people decide to tell a fictional story or, a f- or fictionalize the story, but they don't let their audience know, hey, I've kind of embellished this story a bit and it's really no longer really what happened. Now, now you, you can change a few of the minor details and leave out somebody's name or change their name to protect you know, their anonymity or... You know, there's some little things you can do like that uh, that that I think really don't matter too much. But when you start changing what happened in the story and how the what the outcome was, or or you know, now you're now that's not just minor embellishments. And mm-hmm. so, yes, you get into ethical trouble. In fact, I've, in my last book, I've got a whole chapter just on the ethics of storytelling to help people navigate what can be difficult territory because stories are the kind of thing that people naturally end up embellishing. So you need to be on guard for not embellishing too much. Yeah, and then it seems to keep uh, CNN and Fox News busy, right? Because, <laughs> you know, they have their debates and the, and the you know, people on the panel and everything, and they're trying to make sense. Uh, did this person tell the whole story? Did they, did they lie? Did, I mean, it's like you hear about that every day when people are talking about that. They're trying to scrutinize, and now people want the transcripts, or did he say that or that? And, and uh, it's just, it's really amazing, just, just from a story, right? And we, we're still talking about that. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think p- part of the issue is, is that most of our stories are told verbally, right? It's like you and I right now having a conversation. And so it's, it's just very easy, not even on purpose, it's very easy by accident to say things that are not quite right. Um, whereas when you're writing a, a memo at work, your boss goes and says, hey, don't, uh, go analyze our business in the Far East and write me a memo on you know, how it's going and what we're doing. Well, you're going to go spend a week doing research and you're writing it up and you're going to scrutinize every word and fact check it. And you're going to have your, your boss, your other, you know, other boss look at it and your, you know, administrator look at it and your the, the woman in the office next door look at, you know, you're going to go through a lot of effort when you write something. But when you're having a conversation, people just don't have the ability to do all that internal fact checking. And so, yes, uh, you're at more risk of saying things that aren't exactly true while you're telling a story which is why I got that whole chapter in the book on that. You need to be careful about that, but not so careful that you're afraid to tell a story. It ruins the flow if you overthink that whole thing. In working with Fortune 500 companies, Paul, and other companies, really, uh, other than getting the point across, sounding more human, uh, what are some of the other benefits that people are learning, especially with you and your books, uh, as far as storytelling? What are the benefits of it? So uh, the biggest one is that stories help people make decisions. So there's been a lot of research that um, uh, about how people think and make decisions. And it turns out 
we don't make the logical, rational decisions that we'd like to think we do. <laughs> it turns out we make many, if not most of our decisions in a subconscious, emotional processing part of our brain. And then we justify those decisions logically and rationally in a conscious thinking part of the brain a few nanoseconds later. So we leave all of our decisions thinking we made it for these rational, logical reasons. But the truth is, you know, our, our reptilian emotional a subconscious brain decided a few nanoseconds earlier and we're just we're just guessing at why you know why we did that later so if you want to influence what people think and feel and do in other words leadership um, it turns out you need to talk to both parts of the brain you can't only talk to the logical rational thinking part of the brain and stories are are uniquely qualified to talk to both parts of the brain whereas you know Bob, here's the three reasons why you should uh, take this job or buy my product or whatever. Th those tend to be only speaking to that left side logical mm -hmm. thinking part of the brain and they yes. don't reach the other side. But if you want somebody to quit their job and move across the country and start working for you, you know, that's like making a decision about who to marry. I mean, there's a lot of emotion involved in that kind of a decision. Hmm. Obviously, you need to reach the emotional part of their brain in order to help them make the right decision. This isn't a, a trick you're playing on them to get them to make a bad decision. They need some emotional content in order to make sure they're making the right decision and stories let you let them have that. Yeah, because people are spending a lot of money. Uh, hopefully you're getting that. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, to help people tell stories and there, there have to be uh, obvious benefits of that. You know, you mentioned about the different ways that uh, we appeal or marketers appeal. But even in telling a story today, they have it with uh, like big, bold capital letters. So, you know, sometimes I turn to my wife, I mean, what's up with that? Of course, that helps to tell a story. Have you noticed that? Like the fonts have changed through the years. Definitely when you're online, there's a lot of stuff thrown in your face and flashing red lights and, you know, trying to get your attention. Um, I, I, I don't consider that storytelling. Uh, you know, that's, I'm not even sure what to call that. But uh, th that's one of the reasons why I think storytelling is effective is it it takes you out of you know that constant bombardment bombardment of you know buy now you know look at this click here I mean that's that's advertising and some of it's way too much overload as stories get people to slow down and focus you know and like if I were to tell you a story it would last two or three minutes that's that's about the right length of a, a leadership story um, and for those two or three minutes you're not going to be looking at that flashing red big font, you know, buy now button on your computer screen. You're going to be listening to me, right? So that's part of what storytelling does is it gets people to stop paying attention to all the other noise in their world and just focus for a few minutes. You mentioned that in your book about uh, no one ever got excited about stacking the PowerPoint. And yeah, yeah. That yeah. Uh, people are more interested in, you know, hearing a, a real person talk and, and, and reach that other person and connect. In your book, you say, who are you writing the vision story for? Is it for management, the rank and file, your investors? It might be several audiences, in which case you might need uh, several vision stories. But for the most companies, the goal of the vision is to inspire the broad set of employees. Of course, you, you go on to say more. Um, so not just corporations, you work with everybody? Yeah, you know, everybody. I've, I've got clients that, that are Fortune 50, you know, some of the biggest 
companies in the world, and I've, but I've got small and medium-sized ones as well. I mean, everybody, I think, can benefit from better storytelling. You know, I'd be remiss, right, Paul, if uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, with the, the title here, The 10 Stories Great Leaders Tell, Paul Smith, our special guest. So we might as well tell the audience what are those 10 stories. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a fair question. We probably teased them long enough. So, um, so here they are. And the first four go together because they're about setting direction for the organization. So it's where we came from. So that's our founding story. Why we can't stay there. That's a case for change story. Where we're going, which is a vision story, and how we're going to get there. And that's, I call that a strategy story. You know, so if you can tell those four stories as a leader, you're more likely to get the organization to be able to go where you want them to go. So what we believe, a corporate value story, who we serve, a customer story, what we do for our customers, now that, that's a, a sales story, and how we're different from our competitors, which I think I mentioned earlier, which is, I call that a marketing story because that's more about, uh, marketing is typically about how we're different, uh, how we're, uh, our differentiating points from our competitors. And then the, the last two, they kind of go together as well, but they're more personal to you as the leader. So number nine is why I lead the way I do. So that's a personal leadership philosophy story. And then uh, the 10 is the one that you just mentioned, which is why you should want to work here. So that's a recruiting story, story you would tell to help bring in better talent into the organization. Yeah. And I, I think of churches too, that I think, um, boy, they need your help. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, actually, I find pastors to be some of the best storytellers. In fact, right. I interview a lot of them for my books for that very reason. Well, I mean, I'm just saying that I think sometimes they lose their audience. Uh, most of the time, they never get that type of feedback. So I think it's important. So you work with a lot of pastors and churches? Well, I, I, I definitely do because most are, maybe I've just been fortunate that the ones at the churches where I've attended have, have been uh, particularly good storytellers. But I, I think most of them are because, I mean, they're, they're, they should be <laughs> constantly telling, you know, Jesus' parables. Yeah, I, I think, in fact, if you think about the best sermons you've ever heard, I can almost promise you they're all they're centered around an interesting story, right? And then you you learn the lesson from that, which is exactly what leaders need to do. You tell an interesting story, and you let the audience learn the lesson from that story. That's right. It works the same way. Well, I recommend our audience get your book. It's the Ten Stories Great Leaders Tell. Paul Smith has been our special guest. There's another book that you have. Okay, it's called Four Days with Kenny Tedford. Uh, life through the eyes of a child trapped in a partially blind and deaf man's body. Uh, this is, you know, not a, a, a pick-me-up per se. This, I mean, this is a serious, uh, serious story. You say <laughs> Kenny, Tenfer, he was, Kenny Tenfer was born with brain damage that left him with intellectual ability of a fourth grader, deaf in both ears, legally blind in one eye. Kenny survived cancer, heart attacks, breaking his neck, family troubles, and heartbreak. Uh, where do we go from there? Yeah. So, uh, well, you say it's not a, a pick me up, um, but, but some of it is, I mean, that's the, the, the brilliance of this man's life. I mean, you, if you read this book, you, you're, you're going to laugh, you're going to cry and you're going to cheer out loud. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Uh, the, the life that this man has led given all of those difficulties. So yeah, there are definitely some sad parts in there, but there are just some amazing uplifting parts in there as well. I think there's, there's something in there for everybody. In fact, in the, the last chapter, what Kenny and I do, and so he's not only my subject, but he's my co-author. Um, what we do in the last chapter is we try and outline a bunch of life lessons for people uh, who have special needs like him or, or people with any kind of uh, special needs, but also for the people, a separate set of lessons for the people who love and care about them. 
So, uh, you know, whether that's their parents or spouse or siblings or children or just friends. Um, and, and we've, we learned those lessons after evaluating his entire life and the things that went well and the things that didn't go well. So we, we, we try and make it a practical book at the end, but you know, for the first, you know, uh, 14 chapters or whatever, it's just an amazing, uh, roller coaster ride to be on that, that is his life. Kenny Tedford, I, th- I think your audience will appreciate this. That one of the reasons why I wrote the book is because when, when I met him five or six years ago, I was just amazed that he was just such a charming individual because I thought, you know, if that was me born with all those, those challenges, I, I think I'd be just an angry, bitter person, <laughs> you know, angry at life. Um, but he's not, he's just the most charming man I'd ever met. And I just, I had to know why, how could you, how could you, you know, be born that way and not be angry and bitter all the time. And so part of the journey is me learning, you know, why that is. And, and I don't think I'll give away too much of the book by saying uh, that very clearly what I learned is that uh, around the age of 18, uh, he became a Christian and that very much altered the direction of his life and, and is one of the, the, the reasons why he's not the angry, bitter person that he could have been. But I'll, I'll, I'll let you read how that happened and why that happened and, and the impact that it's had in particular. And once again, four days with Kenny Tedford, T-E-D-F-O-R-D, live through the eyes of a child trapped in a partially blind and deaf man's body. And uh, that's Paul Smith. He's been our special guest, best-selling author, one of the world's leading experts on organizational storytelling. His work has been featured in Forbes, Fast Company, The Washington Post, PR News, and Success Magazine, and probably more. And uh, you have told uh, wonderful stories here, but people should get your books, The Ten Stories Great Leaders Tell in Four Days with Kenny Tedford. Uh, We appreciate you being on the program. Hey, Michael, thanks so much for having me on. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics, Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bearedynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth to Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice. Total sound control products from Oralex enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators.